0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. My next guest was a struggling, worn-out concrete contractor who worked from sunup till sundown every day to barely make ends meet. One grueling day, a client he was working for gave him a miraculous gift, which changed his fate and fortune almost immediately. The gift was a manuscript of the writings of Sultan Musa of Mali, the richest man to ever walk the earth. The Sultan embedded the secrets of his success in a fairy tale so compelling that centuries later, almost everyone on earth is familiar with it. But the manuscript did not just contain the fairy tale. It also contained a detailed decoder for the fairy tale and a complete tutorial on speaking something called the language of the gods. When you speak this language, the world obeys your commands. By speaking this language, our guest went from being a $60,000 a year concrete contractor to making hundreds of thousands a month in a new business that literally just fell into his lap and now is happier and more successful in all aspects of life. Please help me in welcoming the author of the Sultan's Seven Secrets, Jeff Buhner. Thank you for being here today, sir. Hey, it's
1: good to be here. Really Stephanie appreciate told it. Me all
0: about you, and and I'm excited to have you in my, in my lair.
1: Yeah, I love it. You know, it's a great lair.
0: And and we're here to talk about your book, The Sultan's Seven Secrets. And I read it, and I know a little bit about it, but I want to get the why, the why behind this book, and what you're what you're trying to do with it.
1: Well. What I'm trying to do with it is help people. I was in a desperate place when I learned about this Sultan Musa of Mali. Now, he's the richest man to ever walk the earth. Nobody's come close to this guy. And yet, very few people even know about him. He's like three times richer than Jeff Bezos. And he lived in the 1300s. And they can calculate his wealth because he owned just like tons of gold, things that we can put a value to today. So he had like $800 billion worth of assets. But he, he embedded the secrets of how he became wealthy from a very poor, poor childhood in a fairy tale that is so compelling that almost everybody is acquainted with it. And you ask, well, why would he have to embed the the secrets in a a fairy tale? Well, he learned what he learned from a near-death experience. So he died and met a man made of light who taught him how the world works, how we work, how creation operates. And in the 1300s in West Africa, you didn't just you know, come out one morning and say, hey, I died yesterday, and then I came back to life, and I met God, and he taught me things that, you know, none of our scholars know. That's an easy way to get killed.
0: And why why is that? They just think you're crazy?
1: Well, a 100 years ago, in fact, I'll I'll continue with this story because Antoine Gallant got the two parchments that Sultan of Mali wrote. One of them was the fairy tale. The other one was a detailed description of something I'm going to tell you about called the language of the gods. And don't make a judgment on this too quick. It sounds weird, but I'll tell you about it. And uh, the other, so the second parchment also had all of the teachings of the man made of light. So Antoine Gallant, who's famous, he gets these in the 1600s. And he doesn't dare publish the second parchment. He just publishes the fairy tale, Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. Not
0: not an uncommon story.
1: Yeah, everybody knows it because it's a great fairy tale. Sultan Musa Mali made it up and embedded all of the secrets in it. So he could talk about this story he would tell and try to teach very carefully the concepts from that. But he put everything in that second parchment. Antoine Gallant read it. He went on to become very famous, successful, but he wouldn't publish it because even in the 1600s, people were put to death for the crime of heresy. And this talked about spirit bodies, near-death experiences, coming back to life, God, the language of the gods. I mean, he was terrified of this thing, but it was handed down generation to generation, and I don't know for sure that the person who gave it to me was related to him. All I know is I'm a concrete contractor, 33, uh, unhappy. You know, I'm that guy that you're behind sometimes in the at the stoplight that has a wheelbarrow in the back of this old truck and a bucket full of tools, and you don't even want to get to know that guy probably Surly and, you know.
0: Construction you worker. Yeah,
1: just uh, that was my life.
0: And that's hard work. That it, is beyond hard work. I've yep, done concrete work. It
1: was, it's brutal. But I I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I was so trapped. It's a joke. I was in debt. I mean, I needed to get uh, paid every time I finished a job to really pay for uh, materials that on a, two jobs back, you know, I mean, it's really, I was in a mess. There's no way I could quit. So anyway, I meet this lady. She's elegant. She's really wealthy. I'm working in her backyard and she's kind and talkative. And all of a sudden I just let out my problems on her. I just like, here comes all Jeff's problems. And she, in the middle of that, turned around and walked off. And I was so embarrassed. I thought, you know better than that. You don't complain to a stranger. But a minute later, she came back and handed me a manuscript and told me to read it that night and bring it back to her in the morning. And I wasn't going to because I was so busy. I'd get home at 7.30, wolf down my dinner, fall into bed, you know, so I could get up at 5.30 the next morning, do it all over again but I happened to read the very first page and I stayed up until I was done reading it and took copious notes too. And then I gave it back to her the next morning. Now in this manuscript is something called the language of the gods, which I referred to. And he says, if you speak this language, the world obeys your commands. So I'm reading this like, boy be great if that was true, but you know, I couldn't even hardly believe it. But as I read it and understood what it was, I instantly knew it was true and that that's how it works. And almost everybody who comes to understand it, uh, believes it. They're, they're just like, oh yeah, shoot, man, why didn't I see this a long time ago? But we're all trained to do almost the exact opposite. Of what works, what this is. So I'll tell you what the language of the gods is. But I got to go back to his near death experience where he learns about himself. And then I'll also relate it to the four main uh, elements of the fairy tale. So, of course, Aladdin is the conscious mind, and that's the entity you think of as you. But you're a lot more complex than that. Uh, the genie that can get you anything you want, that is your subconscious mind, what he called the veiled mind. And we know about that. so that's not you know anything weird. Uh, but the magic lamp is what changes everything, right? The magic lamp allows him to command the genie in a way that the genie responds to. He shows up when you speak this language, and then he only says two things. What do you want? And your wish is my command. And I'll come back to that. So the other element is the cave of wonders, but I'm not going to get into that with you. He called it the Cave of Wonders, not because it was a great place to be. It was a terrifying place. He got another thief, locked him in this cave, and that's where he died, basically, and uh, had his near-death experience. So the Cave of Wonders refers to the wondrous things he learned during his near-death experience. But let's go to the magic lamp. The all-powerful genie is your subconscious mind. And we kind of know that if somebody believes on a deep subconscious level, you know, in a confident way that they can do something, you can't stop them. They're going to figure it out. They're going to do it. And if they believe the opposite, like, like I did, I believed that I could only make money by hard physical labor. I grew up on a farm. We all bragged about how hard we worked how many bales of hay we touched this summer. And we looked down on people that made their money any other way. And yet now at 33, I'm looking around and it's like, oh, I want a nicer car. I want a nicer house. And I knew I could never get there doing what I was doing. And so I wanted to be like some of these other guys that I knew. But we had names for them, you know, Slick Willies, Men, uh, City Slickers, And so I was going against my own subconscious beliefs and like hitting a wall until I read this language of the gods. The language of the gods, uh, allows you to command your, just literally change negative subconscious beliefs into positive subconscious beliefs fast and easy and it's fun. So your your uh, inner genie, the uh, your subconscious mind, does not listen to your words. It doesn't care what you say. It knows what you're saying. It's aware of all of that, but it's not programmed by your words. It literally could care less about that. Same with your thoughts. It knows what you're thinking, but it's not programmed by your thoughts because those can be scattered, you know? I mean, you are you think one thing yesterday, you think something else tomorrow, you're figuring it out. It doesn't pay any attention to that in terms of being programmed. But it is programmed by feelings. So think about it. Your feelings are always true. I mean, you either feel it or you don't, and they're pretty consistent. When you think of any aspect of your life, you feel a certain way. Now, they may not be helpful. They may not be productive, but they're true. And this is what your subconscious mind hears, responds to, believes. It believes every one of your feelings. And then what it believes to be true about you it makes true in your physical world so if it believes you're supposed to be poor you're going to be poor i mean someone could give you a hundred grand you know here it is and two months later you don't have it anymore and guess who does
0: is that why you hear so many stories about people who win the lottery yep and they just because they don't have a money mindset so yeah, they, so they just burn they haven't it
1: developed because it. it's not comfortable. Yeah, maybe? they haven't developed good financial skills. Well, why? Because they they don't see themselves as that kind of person, and literally, they're not. Now, the thing about each of us is we're just playing roles. So they're playing the role of a poor person, and they're dedicated to that role. They're in character. They don't come out very easily. And so when you give them a hundred grand, they play the part of, you know, what would a poor person do with a hundred grand? They'd spend it on a, you know, a something, party.
0: Something tri- trivial and Yeah, and, and
1: then it's gone. And who has it? Someone who's programmed to be wealthy. You know, they, they put on that party for them and took their money. So we're just playing roles. And you know it's true if you think about it. You're just playing the role of you, you know. You think it's you, but but it's not. If you were moved to a different situation, a different time, you would instantly pick up. You'd wake up, look around. You're part of this tribe. People come to you. Oh, I'm the chief. They're looking to you for, where do we go to hunt today? You would instantly do your best and try to decide, you know, okay, well, what do I know? Where's the best place to hunt? I got to take care of the tribe. And you would become the chief of the tribe so fast and do, you know, your level best. And you would be hard-pressed to think of yourself as anything but the chief of the tribe. That's who you are. But it's just another role that you're playing. All right, so let's say, you know, you're playing a role. Uh, You're you're playing the role of a guy who's putting up with a, a barely- Uh, you know, livable relationship, you're uh, just a little bit out of shape, you're making just enough money that gets eaten up by your bills, and you don't like it. You want to change. That's called existing. Yeah, it is. But you see people that change. You see how, you see that it's possible. You see somebody that's like way overweight, and a year later you run into them, and they're ripped. And you're like, "How did you do that?" you know? And they'll tell you their story. But they're obviously playing a different role now. They're eating differently, you know, exercising differently. They see themselves as a different person. And they are a different person. But how do you do it? And I'll tell you how right now. Any aspect of your life that you're not happy about? All you have to do is stop feeling bad about it and start feeling good about it. Your subconscious mind will hear those new good feelings, believe them, it never doubts a feeling, and if you do enough of it consistently, it will start to believe that those new feelings should be incorporated into your life. And then it goes, it's connected to all wisdom, all knowledge, everything in the universe, and it's connected to other people's subconscious minds. And it will go find the situations and circumstances to make its new belief true. We call these coincidences, weird coincidences.
0: Is that like not being angry or frustrated about those feelings or that situation, but saying almost like, okay, previous life, thank you for what you've taught me. Yeah, got me to this point. Appreciate all you've done. Now it's time to move on. Is, it, is that is an oversimplification? I, I always try to just simplify no, it my brain. No,
1: to- you're right on. But think of it more like a football game where a team is losing. And, you know, they just can't do anything right. Nothing's going their way. And then they go in the, the locker room for halftime. And the coach gives them the pep talk of their lives. And now they come out and they're like, this is a new team. They're hitting different. They're, you know, they're executing differently. All he did in the locker room is paint a new picture for them of who they are, how they could play this game, what they could accomplish. And he paints this picture that makes them feel differently about the game, about who they are. And you act on your feelings. So they come out, they feel like hitting now because they see this this uh, scenario in their minds where we take it to these guys. We can do it, you know, and that's all this is. There, You're there's changing. Like more, there's, more, there's more in them than they thought there was in. Yeah, or, like unbelievably yeah. more. You're barely scratching the surface of who you are and what you can do if you change your psyche. But your subconscious mind controls, that's the mechanism that controls your life. And Musa compared it to an all-powerful genie when the man made of light showed him the power of this thing. Nothing is outside of your ability if you turn your subconscious mind loose on it. And remember, it only says two things, you know, what do you want? And then your wish is my command. But here's the thing. It's always asking, what do you want? What is wanted? And you're always answering by the way you feel. So think about how you feel right now. About money, about your relationships, about uh, who you are, your capabilities, your health, your fitness level. And however you're feeling that's what your subconscious mind believes to be true about the role you're playing, and again, it just is supporting your role so you can learn from it. But if you change your role by changing your feelings, it will support that new role, and weird stuff will happen. Uh, we call it weird,
0: <laughs> we- weird, but maybe normal, but weird just because we're so not used to. Exactly, it's such so- a different mindset.
1: Yeah, let me give you an example of that. When I started speaking the language of the gods to yourself, to myself, by changing my feelings, and we'll come back to this because, you know, there's the obvious question. Wait a minute, Jeff, I'm supposed to feel good about, you know, my relationship, for example. Well, my wife literally, you know, treats me like garbage and I'm not sure I like her and we do nothing but fight. How am I supposed to be f- feeling good about this? Make I'll a, answer make that. Make a decision to? I guess. Well, no, it's, it's even easier. Simple. It's even better than that. Easier but than that. We'll come back to that. I, I'll tell you how I changed my feelings, but let's just go from I changed my feelings. And I went from a surly kind of you know, I was angry. I was angry at life. I was angry. Everyone else seemed to have stuff I couldn't get. I was in debt. I just felt unhappy about my life. And uh, when I spoke the language of the gods, the first thing I noticed is the change in me. I felt differently. And you know when you feel differently. If you wake up surly and unhappy and feeling like, crap, I'm still alive and I got to go to work. And the next day you wake up like a kid on Christmas morning, just like full of expectation and something great's going to happen today. And if not today, tomorrow, you know, you feel differently today than you did yesterday. So I was like, okay, well, that almost alone is worth doing it. But then as I felt differently and went through my day, like on almost the first day, I noticed how people treated me differently. I was feeling differently and then, of course, acting differently. That's the most natural thing in the world. And all of a sudden, people are begging me to do their work. Like weird almost. Like, you know, I didn't even know the neighbor saw what we'd done and they come over and I need you to come and do it. I don't want anyone else doing it. When can you do my job? You know, and it's like a $100,000 job. Like, wow, that has literally never happened before. I'm always out peddling, you know, trying to get people to let scraping me do their and, work.
0: Scraping and scrapping.
1: Yeah. And then it's happening all the time. And then uh, collecting money was always, I've got the greatest money collection stories from, you know, before speaking the language of the gods, trying to get my money out of people. And the the extent I had to go to, to get it, after I changed my feelings, And I noticed this like right off the bat, people would happily hand over the money. I I didn't do any collections anymore. And I noticed it was like, okay, this is too bizarre. I'm acting differently. I feel differently. And now people just, the second I'm done, sometimes they'd come and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I know you're going to finish. I got to run to somewhere or I'm going to be out of town tomorrow. So I'm just going to write you a check for the full amount right now. I'm like, that never, ever happened So you're before. attracting
0: people on that same frequency or wavelength that thought like you did.
1: Right. right. That's So, I mean, think about how practical this is. Someone comes in for the job interview and they're like, well, how much does it pay? How much time do I got to put into it?
0: You're like, "Oh well, and- yeah, let's sign this guy up.
1: Right, not. yeah, so of course not, you know? <laughs> yeah. So then you don't give him the job and he leaves. Yeah, that guy's a jerk. People don't give me a chance.
0: Always pointing fingers at yeah. someone else for, yeah.
1: And yet yeah. a guy comes in and he's just like, <clears throat> hey, I almost don't care about the money. I want to learn from you. I love what you're doing. I want to learn how to take this you know, product you've got and you know, I want to go to work for you. And then you pay me what I'm worth or I don't know, you know, but okay, you hire that guy because he is playing a different role and it's a role that you want to be part of. And the other guy, you don't want to be part of his role, you know? And so then he uses that to further his belief that people suck. But it's just him. And so I was doing that too. I was surly. I was cross. I believed people weren't going to pay me. So I... You get what you expect. Exactly. 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 But it's deeper than that. Your subconscious mind is connected to everybody else's subconscious mind. Have you ever walked in a room and there's a guy clear on the other side of the room, but you know, you don't like that guy. You've never met him before, but you know, there's a problem between the two of you. Well, how, how would you possibly know that? Because your subconscious mind is feeling. connected to his and you have yeah. a feeling about that guy. And guess what? He has a feeling about you. Now, if you get to know each other and start talking, maybe those feelings change and you could, you know, conceivably end up friends. But initially, you don't like each other. And the same, you know, the opposite happens. You see somebody for the first time and you're instant buddies. It's like we've known each other forever forever. You know, this is all your subconscious mind is running the show like pretty much a hundred percent. And Musa was shown that. So he came back, you know, survived his, uh, you know, almost getting murdered and went from being a really poor fatherless street urchin in West Africa to becoming unbelievably wealthy. But it's such a great story because he, he became wealthy because he changed how he felt and everybody loved him and he loved everybody else. And he was so dedicated to serving the man made of light and loving everybody that of course, you know, it's just, you read the story and it's like, well, of course he moved up to head camel driver and then, you know a uh, guy over, you know, 50 other head camel drivers. And then the guy that uh, owned the salt and gold mines loved him so much and he trusted him so much that he brought, he showed him the art of uh, finding mineral deposits. That's how he became so wealthy.
0: Do you think Joseph from the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, that story in the Bible was tapped into this same,
1: Oh, that's Based on- yeah. Because Joseph was Joseph, the father loved him. The brothers were jealous of him, right? If I've got this story right. Yeah. But the pharaoh didn't the pharaoh love him? Yes. Because he he was who he was. Yeah. So it all ended up good, you know. He rose to leadership because he was a leader. You know, he was loved because he was lovable. He was plain. The role, if you will, or learned to play the role of an honest, uh, forthright, capable, fun, loving person, and those people get treated differently than people playing a different role.
0: And the sulkers and
1: sulkers and be. you know angry. Yeah, somebody doesn't give me a shot. I wonder why. <laughs> you know. Yeah. My wife doesn't love me. Just because, you know? (laughs) Look, there's nothing like your marriage or if you're in sales, you do this language of the gods and change how you feel, and you will see it so fast, it's just, it will blow your mind. When I first learned to do this, so I learned the language of the gods. I read, I mean I stayed up all night. I was so excited about this. It was like being handed the, you know, the the key to how it works. But I was still me. I still had to get up and go pour concrete all day the next day. So and I was still programmed the way I'd been programmed. So it created this conflict. And then I was afraid to even try it. Because I was so excited and I thought, if I try this and it doesn't work, first I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to kill this moose of molly, dude. And I was so afraid of being let down and dropping into, like, depression. You know, I was like, I could become suicidal if this doesn't work. I don't even dare mess with it. So you were almost already trying to find ways to prove
0: that it was not going to work. Yes. Because I was comfortable.
1: Well, I was, yeah, I was afraid to step out of my role for fear, that would be bad because, you know, I mean, you're comfortable in your role for a reason. Would
0: would another, yeah, roles, would that be comfort zone, another term for that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. So you speak to your subconscious mind and feelings. That's the only language it responds to. It speaks back to you in feelings. It's more than feelings. It's impulses, instincts, impressions, ideas, attitudes, motivations. But we'll just call it all feelings. So you can think about any aspect of your life. And you will instantly get a feeling. Like, think about your finances. Instantly, you feel something, you know, good or bad. That's what your subconscious mind believes the role you're playing is supposed to, uh, that's the way that role, the finances should be for that role. And you can do that with your marriage, your health, anything. So let's go back to how do you change it if something's crappy and you want to make it better and you learn this, you decide, okay, I'm going to change how I feel. In other words, I'm going to flood my subconscious mind with good feelings. I mean, like bury it in exciting, happy, fulfilling feelings about the aspect of finances. But your finances aren't any good, so how are you going to do it? All right. You were born, everybody was born, with a superpower. And you're a pro at this. You were a born pro. It's how you've learned everything. But you've been literally trained to stop doing it. Way back when you were young. And that superpower is your ability to imagine and pretend, and part of that is imitation, to imitate. So you would observe, see something you thought was cool, uh, and then you would imitate that. And you know this is true, like, you know, first day of school, you show up in what your mom bought you for, you know, the school year to wear, and you see this cool kid that you like, and he's wearing something else. Well, next day, what are you wearing? You know, this is how it works. But pretending, let's go back to this concept. You pretended all the time. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And then right below that, to, to access the kingdom of heaven or enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a little child.
0: And that child is is weaned out of us as we become adults, become cynical and don't raise raise your hand in class because you might get it wrong and be made fun of. So you don't do that. And you become an adult that never does that. And you just, (laughs) yeah, you're right. You stifle the child.
1: Well, what do kids do all day? Pretend they play. Pretend they're in a make-believe world all day long. And that's, they don't care what's going on physically around them. They could be in a, a dumpy rental but they're jumping off the couch with a cape and I'm the sheriff and oh, I'm the you know rock star and they're just playing all the time and so pretty soon your parents are like hey you got to go to bed knock it off you know take that off put down the little toy pistol you've made out of wood I mean go to bed be responsible bing, bing. you know yeah you're still running around you know and finally it starts to escalate hey I told you to go to bed hey knock it off Get to bed, you know. And then at school, these well-meaning people needed you to fit into their program. And so it's like, Johnny, quit looking out the window. Why is your head? Your head's always in the clouds. You got to come to real life. You know, start living in reality. Johnny, get with the program. Get with it. And then you're even punished at some point for doing it. And so you stopped. Because people ask me, like, hey, if this is true, why don't kids turn out to be the things that they pretended? Well, it's because they stopped pretending that way. But as they lived those first years in a pretend world, many of their subconscious beliefs and their core values and their core character traits were set in those moments of childhood play. So even though they didn't become the rock star, uh, there might be a subconscious belief in there that they can take control of the meeting. They can get up in front of a group. Uh, Somebody who played, you know, uh, at being the sheriff or the princess, you know, she now has a subconscious belief that she should be, you know, important to people. She should be taken care of. She shouldn't be mistreated and she won't allow it. If anyone mistreats her, she is gone. She's done with that. But all of your subconscious beliefs were set with an event accompanied by really strong emotion. So even if you played a certain way as a child and a subconscious belief was set that you shouldn't be mistreated, well, if one of your parents uh, is nutty... (laughs) They're not a good parent and they mistreat you because of their, you know, the role they're playing, their flaws, what they believe you can come out of childhood with a a subconscious belief that you are the person who is mistreated, that people will mistreat you. And then you gravitate to people who will mistreat you. Is that, this thought just came to my mind that,
0: you know, people who in relationships, who date like um, some w- women, for example, who date bad man after bad man after bad right. man because they that's what they believe is that because they that's what they believe absolutely they can that's all they believe they can get
1: their subconscious mind they have they a deep this. core belief that that's what they deserve but if you ask them they're like no
0: no way what I think
1: yeah because they the, do the conscious mind you know can think and say anything it wants but the subconscious mind is it's, running the it's, it's, show I always wondered. If the subconscious is so stinking powerful,
0: but yet I don't know about it, why is this in so, in so much con- – and I've been struggling with this for years, the why, but I think I understand well, why. Think
1: but- about all the conventional wisdom. You have a problem. You go to a therapist, and there are great therapists out there, but a lot of them stick to this. Tell me about it. Let's go back to that time when you're, you, know, you got the crap kicked out of you at the schoolyard. How did you feel? Okay, you're reliving.
0: So it's reinforcing. It's
1: reinforcing. So you're, you're creating those same terrible feelings. Your subconscious mind hears them, believes them, and keeps your physical world congruent with what it believes is true. But you told it what to believe in the language of the gods, in the language of feelings. You change that language, and you've changed your life. And you can see it in other people. You can you can look back at yourself and think, God, there was a time when things just flowed and deals just came to me, and then something changed, you know, but you don't know what. But once you once you understand this, what Sultan of Mali wrote, and he was a very benevolent guy, he wanted everyone to know this. Um uh, you look back on your life and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, no kidding, yeah, duh, yeah, no wonder that happened. No wonder, you know, people treated me that way. Because you see instantly when you change the language you flood your subconscious mind with, it changes your feelings and you act on your feelings and people respond. It's so simple that it makes you mad. Initially, it made me mad. I had another problem. I had people that I blamed for my bad situation in life. And I couldn't forgive those people because it felt like erasing the evidence of what they did to me. So I couldn't forgive, even though I thought, ah, I'd be good if I did, you know, and I'd probably feel better if I forgave, but I could not do it. And then in my family, there were other kids who were treated the same way and they Same thing, you know, they're a broken record. We'd get together and just talk about the same stuff that happened to us as a kid. And then I'd go be around other people and I wouldn't talk about it. But if I came back, got with them instantly, I'm talking about it. And guess what? Feeling that same old, horrible feelings of being mistreated that I didn't like. It's comfortable. Yeah, well, you're programmed. Literally, you got to think of the subconscious mind not as a passionate entity. It's not. It's a mechanism. It can be programmed like a computer. And once you program it, it just runs the program. But you can reprogram it so easily. And the last thing you want to do is go talk about how you felt the past. You know, this guy did that and someone else... You just, you have the power to reinvent your life, reinvent your role. Because, you know, we say things like, uh, oh, that's Tom. Tom is just Tom. And if Tom even tries to step out of his role, someone will correct him. Tom, you just be you. Don't try to be someone else, Tom. Well, there is no Tom. That's an invented role. You know, of course, over years and years. But Tom can reinvent his role anytime. Like sit down and redesign your life and then start commanding your subconscious mind in the language it believes every time, obeys every time, and just tell it your new role in the language of feelings by doing what you're a pro at. Deep down, you know, you were born one pretending to be what you want to be. And then you will feel as you pretend and make-believe, play, play. What would it be like to have plenty of money, to be able to buy anything I want? What would it feel like to be out of debt, to have this load that I felt in the past just gone? What would that feel like? You start playing these games and you will feel a portion of the feelings that you would feel if that were real. Real. Is that like the
0: fake it till you make it?
1: Yes, except you understand the science behind it. So it doesn't seem fake. It doesn't seem, oh, you're just faking it until you, and you may not make it. No, if you fake it long enough, you will make it. And I'll give you an example of this in a second. But uh, when you reinvent your role and you're just pretending, you know that the imaginary scenarios you're playing with aren't real, right? You know, you're just pretending. But what about the feelings that generates? Are the feelings real?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, you better believe it. And your subconscious mind is listening. So here's the thing. You go about your normal day, let's say, before you learn anything about Sultan Musa of Mali. And uh, then you decide, I'm going to I'm going to change the feelings I send to my subconscious mind or speak to my subconscious mind. And you start pretending and you feel, really feel good. Like it feels good to pretend to be out of debt or pretend to have, you know, $4 million cash. And it's, yeah. it's instant. Instant. The feeling. And so your subconscious mind hasn't heard that feeling in maybe forever or maybe for a long, long time. This is new. It's a new feeling, but it still believes it. So if you keep doing it, you create a gap between the reality that it has created for you that is absolutely 100% congruent with the feelings you've been speaking it, that it believes. So it's congruent with its beliefs, but you told it. Now you're speaking feelings to it that it hasn't heard before. And it will have a little freak out moment. If you do it, With enough intensity, just a certain amount of intensity and a certain amount of consistency, it's like coming out onto a stage that's been set for Macbeth or any, you know, it's all set up for that. But you decide, I am so sick of playing Macbeth. I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm playing Silverado, anything you want. And you come out all of the sudden, uh, you know, playing Silverado, you're just, you know, you go by Western wear. You, you, who knows what you do. You go for a ride on a friend's horse. Cause you just want to feel that country, Western, whatever. I don't care what the role is you decide to play. Your subconscious mind will feel those feelings, believe them. And it's like a really good stage manager, but you're in charge. It doesn't question your role. It, initially, I got to say this. It will try to bring you back because you're programmed. So it's going to like say, hey, you're not a cowboy. Get off of that horse. You're going to get hurt. It'll feel, send you feelings of fear and you know try to get you back. But if you persist because you've decided you're going to play a new role and the conscious mind is in charge of deciding the role, not the subconscious mind, if you persist – it will be like, hey, you, you know, get that off the stage. That doesn't fit anymore. Get a horse in here. Get a, get a cowboy hat for this guy. Come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. And it will orchestrate so fast your head will spin a new set of realities for you. Uh, it can happen so quickly. The only thing that slows it down is the past programming where uh, to do this, you have to literally learn to uh, change your focus. So here's another scripture. Now, before I I learned the seven secrets, the sultan I call it the uh, sultan, the sultan seven secrets because there's basically seven elements that you learn in his parchment. Uh, before I learned that. I respected the scriptures. I thought, you know, I hope they're true. I think they probably are, but I didn't relate to them. They were all vague and the sayings were weird. Like, to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'll add the word fun to that, just to make it make more sense for what I'm about to say. So as I learned this, there are two worlds, just like you have two bodies, and Musa learned this. There's a, you've got a spirit body and a physical body. If your spirit body pops out of your physical body because it's injured or no longer inhabitable due to disease or any other reason, your spirit body will pop out. That's what Musa did when he died. And then your physical body is worth nothing. Your spirit body is immortal. It keeps going. It doesn't die. And I knew this because I I popped out of my body at a rodeo at 18 and was out for a while. All right. Well, there's a whole spirit world and then a physical world. But just like your spirit body animates your physical body, your spirit world, and let's just call this your psyche so we can wrap our heads around what I'm talking about. Your spirit world absolutely controls your physical world. And of course, your subconscious mind is all part of that. So I have to teach people. The most important thing is all of your conventional teaching is, hey, you need a dose of reality. You need to focus, you know, come back to earth, bro. Get with it,
0: you know. Is that where the down to earth phrase maybe comes from? Right. It's real down to earth.
1: Yeah, and get your head, ha- out, head out, out of the clouds, clouds is the opposite. Which is where we should keep them. You're a dreamer. Keep you got to knock that off, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the exact opposite of conventional wisdom is where the truth lies. So if you take control of your spirit world, which is in your imagination, you can do it in five seconds flat. You've taken control of your physical world. It's so easy and fast. But if you try to take control of the, let's put it this way. If you try to change physical realities without first changing spirit realities, you're just going to frustrate yourself. You're you're going to go around and around and around. It's ineffectual. It doesn't work very well because you're still the same person subconsciously trying to get a different result. You're not going to.
0: What's an example of changing a physical
1: reality before you've changed it? spiritually that that everything you do to try to like i'm uh, i just i can't make enough money i can't get out of debt i just every time i turn around you know i maybe have a little uh good luck here but then it's eaten up by bad luck it's i wrecked the car you know i i make an extra 10 grand and then you know my son gets sick and the bill is 11 grand can you believe it yeah The second you change your psyche, you've changed your life, how you're thinking, how you're feeling, the movie you're running in your head. And the other example of, uh, you know, the opposite of people trying to change the physical reality without changing their psyche is what happened to me when I changed my psyche By changing just the movie I was running in my head, I just invented imaginary scenarios that got me turned on and went back to being a little kid, just pretending, living in a make-believe world. I'd be driving my old work truck, but in my mind, I was looking out on the hood of a beautiful new Mercedes-Benz. And I'm driving to the job site, but in my mind, I'm pretending to be uh, driving my boat out to my own private island. And while I'm working all day finishing concrete, I'm pretending to be building my own home on that private island. Well, you feel a lot differently about building your own home on a private island than you do in the hot sun, you know, putting down another stinking patio for somebody else who's rich and you're never going to be. And the second I changed how I felt, like I said earlier, I must have acted differently. I must have smiled more. I must have put a little more pep, and I must have said hi more often. I don't know what I was doing differently physically, but people responded to it immediately. And I recognized that, and I liked it. I never told anyone, like my foreman, I never told him what I was doing. He, he just would have thought I was a you know, nut. So one day, he stops working. He looks over at me, and he's like, what are you doing? Are you having an affair? And I'm like, no. Why are you? Why do you ask that? And he's like, because you're acting so stinking happy. What's wrong? How dare you have that kind of happiness within your within your marriage? <laughs> exactly. You know wh- wh- what's going on with you. And so I tried to tell him. I'm like, I'm not having an affair. I'm just playing. I'm doing this thing that I read, and I'm I'm like uh, living in kind of a fantasy world, and just because that makes me happy. And and I'm like, you you could do this. You know, he's like, dude, whatever floats your boat. And he had no interest in it. You know, he was okay with me doing it. But anyone can do this. Now, not everybody's ready for it. And that's okay too. We're all down here. Look, <laughs> this is the other thing Musa learned. We're getting rich, like loaded in the currency of eternity. And that's experience. So whether you're having bad experience, good experience, some of each, your get your your vault, you know your bank account, on high, if you will, is getting low. You're getting rich. So
0: no experience is wasted.
1: Yes, that's true. Okay. You're getting rich, but just to us, the conscious mind, you know, the subconscious mind doesn't care if you're happy or sad, not a bit. It again, it's a mechanism. It's not a passionate entity the conscious mind is but it's not and it knows whether you uh you know ride your bike way too fast down the hill and wipe out at the bottom and skin your knees you just learn something you got some experience you're smarter today than you were yesterday great but the conscious mind isn't clapping you know the people watching you do that are but you're not <laughs> so right. uh And the thing is, you can take charge and make sure that you have more positive experiences to learn from. And either one is fine with your subconscious mind. And even your negative experiences that still happen when you're, you know, uh, my son got sick and we thought he was going to, we thought we were going to lose him. But when you take charge of this, you just decide to create different scenarios that you dwell on, and those scenarios affect reality. They just do. You know it's true on, you know, you watch somebody else, and you know it's true on a micro level. You're just not convinced that it's going to work on a macro level. But if it works on a micro level, and you can see it, then you can have faith that if you do this, A, you're going to be happier. So, you know.
0: At the very least.
1: Yeah, nothing to lose. But B, it might change your life. So you watch somebody walk into a room and they're unhappy. Something has happened and they're in a bad mood. Well, instantly, you know, somebody says hi. And instead of saying, you know, they said hi. or And now everybody... First, they feel it on a subconscious level. You you're so good at reading people, even if you don't think you are. You just you look at them and you know, oh, this isn't a good time to talk to that person. I'm going to give them space. You just feel that. You don't have to hear their story that they wrecked their car and or the their uh, you know husband left and they're in a really really bad mood. You see that. You just feel it. You know. So people will, you know, in that instance, you're you're in a bad mood. People read that, they back off, and you can take that to, uh, you know, sort of cement the subconscious feeling now that yeah people don't care, you can't trust anyone, no one's loyal, you know, and people just worry about themselves, care about themselves. Or if you're really happy, people love that. They come around and you cement this subconscious belief that, people like me. People are fun. People are nice. You are so in control of your life that it's almost scary. It was scary to me when I first read this, but it was so exciting because A, I had to take responsibility. I had put myself where I was. That was absolutely clear. Others, you know, helped me, but I, I adopted my feelings and my thoughts and and my role
0: because of choices you made
1: yeah and by the way i you know if someone was mean to me i decided how to accept that and how to think about it feel about it but it was offset by this incredible understanding that if i put myself where i am so yes i'm responsible but if i did that then i can put myself where i want to be I think I've said enough in terms of like explaining it. So if you have no, any no, questions, I, and, I'll just answer and, those.
0: When I, and I've heard, I've read similar things like this in the past and, and I've always resonated. It, it makes sense. The, you know, the new me is like, yeah, this works changing. Well, and me- I, and I did, I I know because I was like you up until I was 48, had my job, and I was just existing in life. Yeah, We, my, both my wife and I were working, and we were making it. We were surviving. And I had this, I felt like I was at rock bottom. I had no hobbies. There was nothing that filled my tank. I was just existing. Yeah. Because that's what I was taught. And my dad said, just exist, son, just survive, right. survive. Get my dad, work. I'm an expert at it. I'm sick of this. So I changed, and I started doing sales. And never thought I could do that in my life because right. I was like, hey, I don't want to be a salesman. They're shmarmy. And yep. I've had the best four years of my life because I have changed what's going on up in between my ears. Right. And as an example, this last week I was on vacation. I had five cancellations on home sales in a week, which is brutal. But my attitude was, Okay, well, whatever. I'll we'll get more. I'll go get more. That was my. I, I right. said that immediately. Whereas a few years ago, I would have just focused on it, hyper focused on. Oh, nobody's buying. This market's crazy. Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> just there. Nobody's gonna. You know. But even that, I, I'm. Yeah, it's a little disappointing. But I'll go get more. Yeah. I'll go get another one. To to fo- to fill that. So, so that's
1: being a successful guy. You've learned to do something differently, you know, have a better attitude to see it, you know, you've learned to run a better movie in your head because you know, the old one leads to, you know, unhappiness and failure. Okay. You just pick that up. But when you, when you systemize it, when you see, oh, this is how it works, you will do exactly what you've done in the past to succeed, but like on hyperdrive. And let me a- answer this one question, because people say, well, I've, tr- I've done this. And it doesn't oh, work. Like, yeah, what do you mean you've done it? Well, I read The Secret. Okay. The Secret gave you half of it. It told you to f- feel good, uh, focus on things you want, and you'll feel good. What you're missing is the vital piece, This the magic lamp. Why? Why does feeling good matter? The genie hears and believes and listens to and is programmed by your feelings. So, yeah, you may have thought about something cool for a while and pretended to be rich and then, you know, it felt good, but real life tapped you on the shoulder. Here comes the, you know, your son wrecked the car and now you feel bad because so quickly you let your focus go back to the physical world. You've got to keep your focus in that spirit world and just feel good, no matter what is going on over there. And then you'll see the evidence. But knowing how it works makes all the difference. You will quit letting the real world dictate how you feel. Once you understand that, your subconscious mind is listening to those feelings, believing them. I'm not going to let it hear that anymore. I don't want it to believe that bad things should happen. So, even when bad things happen, I basically ignore them. I, three little words, I don't care. It's just a thing, it's whatever.
0: Well, and bad and things
1: is a perspective. Exactly. Right. So, I'm right back into my dream world that makes me feel good. And then your subconscious mind is so powerful when you play certain games. Now, the parchment I read was really heavy on concepts and really light on techniques. How do you do this? But for 28 years, I've done nothing but obsess over techniques. The best way to do this and help other people do it. And there are certain games that your subconscious mind absolutely loves playing. And it'll play them all day long and you will feel fantastic while you're playing those games. And then it believes the feelings it's creating for you because you're you're generating these powerful fun imaginary scenarios. So failure is a circular you're doing it consciously but then your subconscious mind buys into it and now it's doing subconsciously what you were doing consciously and now your life is you know, aligned with that. But so quickly, you can do the reverse. You put in a little conscious effort to create these imaginary scenarios that feel good. And at first, it's clumsy and because you're programmed to be something else. But if you keep doing it, eventually your subconscious mind starts doing subconsciously what you used to have to put conscious effort into doing, and now you just feel the emotion of confidence about that aspect of your life. You know it's going to be fine. You just know, oh, good things. Yeah, I lost a couple homes this week. Watch. Watch what happens next week. I'll pick up six. That's how you feel, and you you know it's true somehow without knowing. It's like, oh, watch. You that know, somebody that uh, is a great football player misses a pass. Yeah, watch what I do with that. Yeah. I won't miss another one for a year because that pissed me off. It's all in their psyche and their attitude, but it's subconscious programming. You know, your attitudes, all of that comes from this. Your the guy that's running the show. So the subconscious mind. Take your mind. subconscious to the gym. Yes.
0: And get it. Okay.
1: Yeah. But you the whole trick, if you want to succeed at something, flood your subconscious mind with good feelings about that thing. Marriage, finances, health.
0: Act as if it's happened.
1: That's how you do it. That's yeah. how you flood it with the feelings that match the life you want. Let me say one last thing about pretending. Just to give you you know confidence in this because... We've been taught pretending is what la la idiots do, you know, they're wasting their time. They're dreamers. No. All creation is started as a dream in somebody's mind. Everything that was created. My Land Rover, my phone, your the, uh, everything here, all your great equipment, just started as a dream. Some idiot Some dreamer
0: crazy dream got going. Get his head get your head, get and your didn't head out stop. the clouds, yeah.
1: Right. He didn't listen, you know. And here it is. Well, pretending is how you do everything, learn everything, change. So just quickly, let's say you're a road rage kind of guy and you know it. Your wife doesn't like driving with you. You're a bad driver, but you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to flood my subconscious mind with the feelings of being a good driver. So I'm going to pretend to be a good driver. And I'll probably only be able to do this for like five minutes. Because the first time someone pulls in front of me, you know, I'm on the horn, I'm on their tailgate. But for five minutes, and maybe you think of someone else who you know is a good driver. You know what? Grandpa was a good driver. And I really admired that. You always felt safe in grandpa's car. So I'm going to pretend to be grandpa for five minutes. And you find, wow, I was able to do that. Like, easy. I'm good at this for five minutes, for sure. Even that guy that pulled in front of me, I just backed off. I even waved. And then he waved and mouthed he was sorry. Well, that was weird.
0: With five fingers instead of
1: one. Yeah, right. The the whole hand was up. Well, let's say you string together, you get good at five minutes and now you do it for all day and then you string together a week and then three months, six months. At some point, you're not pretending anymore. You just are a good driver. And that's how everything works.
0: Kind of like the Atomic Habits.
1: Yeah. I haven't you know, read the, that book, just, but it sounds great. It's
0: like changing 1%, 1%, 1%. Yes. It becomes a habit. You change one little th- yep. habit, like turning a, the rudder on a ship. It turns a little bit. Yes. And then eventually. And
1: you end up in a way different place. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's pretending. It's subconscious mind. It's feelings. It's imaginary scenarios. You're doing that anyway. People who say, well, I. Yeah, I don't really uh, get into that. I I don't have an imagination. I'm not very creative. I don't play make believe. You are right now. Like everything that happens, you're using your imagination to give it value to determine what it meant. You know, like you walk down the street and the guy across the street laughs. Looks over right at you and laughs but now he's gone you're not you know you're still walking and you now your imagination has to fill in the meaning what did that mean is he laughing at me is he laughing at my clothes is he laughing because uh, he remembered a, a joke i told maybe in a group you fill in all the details you don't know anything about why he laughed you may find out later that he had ear pods in and was laughing at a, something he's listening to on youtube you just Had no idea he's listening.
0: Just happened to be looking at you. And he happened to
1: look at you while he's listening to this joke. You do that with everything. Your boss says something or, you know, your employee says something. uh, You don't know 100% what's going on in their mind. You fill in what you think you know and give it the meaning you think it should have and off you go. But so you are doing it already. And when you wake up in the morning and you think, okay... I got to go to work. You instantly start running the old habitual scenarios that make you feel the old habitual way that keeps you being you. That's why people can count on you. You act a certain way all the time. It's the thank God it's
0: Friday, oh God it's Monday mentality. (laughs) Horrible, horrible
1: existence. Yeah, you do this and every day is Christmas. I'm not, if you do it right, every day is Christmas. And something fantastic is going to happen. And then as soon as you say that, your subconscious mind starts hitting you with memories of all the fantastic stuff that has happened that was like, you know, from out there somewhere, things just fell into my lap. That business, this opportunity, that person I just met is so cool. How would I ever meet that guy? And yet now we're talking business and we're, life is just wonderful. You You do this and things change and you can't stop it. You're not tough enough to stop it. If you change how you feel, you cannot stop what's coming and it will come. And then it builds and builds and builds into bigger, better things.
0: So you said that using the language of the gods is easy to make your life magical. So if it's so easy, then why are not, why aren't more people doing it?
1: Every successful person, including you, is doing it in all of the areas where they're successful. Now, the problem is they haven't codified it. They're not sure what they're doing. So you find people who are extremely successful in one aspect of life, and they can be total failures in another aspect. But as soon as you codify it, as soon as you understand what you're doing, then it's really easy to transfer it to all aspects of life. So if you can, whatever is important to you, you can succeed at, that's for sure.
0: When you say codify, does that mean making it automatic where you're not having to think about it much? Or what yeah, explain what you mean by that for the the simple people in my audience, aka me.
1: <laughs> what I mean by codify it is uh, successful people are doing the seven secrets. They're feeding their subconscious minds, good feelings about the aspect of life that they have confidence in, that they know they can succeed in. They're creating a beautiful vision of their success in that area, but they're doing it instinctively. They're not, you know, once you tell them, Hey, this is how you're doing it. You're creating this beautiful vision that makes you feel good. Your subconscious mind hears and believes your feelings, and then it goes out and manipulates the circumstances of your life to align with what it believes. Then they can be like, "Oh my gosh, I can use that in my relationship. I could use that for fitness. I could use it for, uh, you know, getting along better with other people. Anything." Because now they know why building a beautiful vision in your imagination is so important and what it's doing and knowing the what and how and why changes everything.
0: So in the book, if someone reads your book, which I believe you already told me how to get it, do each one of these chapters sort of line it out? Or is there more that one has to do besides reading that book and applying what's in there?
1: You could read the book and apply it, and you've got it. The thing is, uh, the second parchment was really heavy on concepts and really light on actual techniques. How do you do it? How do you use your imagination to create really great feelings when your reality is not great? That's the real trick. So I've spent 28 years obsessing over the best techniques, games, tricks, tips to do it. You know, in the face of your reality isn't great and it's not great in part because you don't feel great about it and your subconscious mind believes you. And so it keeps it keeps it congruent. So you've got to throw a monkey wrench into that habitual cycle of thinking, feeling and acting. And having your subconscious mind act on your behalf because it always is. So that's the real fun of it. And every day I spend my day teaching people how to do the seven secrets. But a lot of people don't need much. They can read the book and off they go. Others, you know, could use a little coaching and I'm here for that.
0: Right. Which, which I know the coaching world is blowing up in the last 20 years and, and it, it's easy to be skeptical about it and people have been burned by them. And But you think about your health or your car, you go to the gym, you take your car to get it serviced and why not work on your life, which is more important.
1: Right. And I don't need more money. I'm doing fine. So I don't allow, we've had salespeople come to us or marketing companies and they want to take what I have and then sell it for 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000. And the answer is no, I'm not interested in that. I want people to be able to uh, get these principles and put them into action. I mean, as you know, it is expensive. It's a a complicated business to market online. Uh, Facebook marketing to get a crowd, to get people to hear your program is expensive, so we have to charge something, but I keep it down to the very minimum. Well and that's just when I say charge something, we're giving the book away for free. Yeah. If you want coaching, then we have a workshop that people come to it and right. that really delves into the techniques.
0: Well then tell tell my listeners how they get the book and then how if they wanted to sign up for any of your you know coaching levels or packages or whatever you have, how would they do that?
1: It's really simple because if you want the free download digital book, you just go to sultans7secrets.com and that's seven the number. So sultans without the apostrophe, seven the number secrets.com and there you can download the book and you can see everything else we have, all of the events we have coming up. Uh, you can see the workshop. Any challenges that I do, I do for almost free. Uh, sometimes we charge, you know, seventeen to twenty-nine dollars, depending on what it is. But we do it; we keep the price way down low.
0: How dare you charge for services provided? What a <laughs> you capitalist, vicious, evil person, right?
1: Well, I, I know you're saying that facetiously because yes. you've been hit with you know, Hey, you don't need the money. Why don't you do it for free? Well, it's because I could run out of money doing this for free.
0: Yeah, no, you know, and you should, we should, I've heard a statement and I don't know if it's true, but it made sense. It says those who pay, pay attention.
1: That's the truth too. And
0: I believe, I do believe that if you get something for free, the things I've got for free, I it's on a shelf still, and I've never done anything with it. But if I paid for it, you know, got some skin in the game, I'm going to do something with that. So there's truth to that.
1: We've seen that with show up rates to challenges that we offered for free. The show up rate is really low. As soon as you charge someone just $17 or $19, $29, all of a sudden the show up rate jumps like high. So yeah, if you have a little skin in the game, you appreciate it and then you'll act on it and get the benefits.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your time with uh, with us on this this is a pretty, a pretty, pretty amazing book and, and topic that definitely, you know, I don't know, there isn't anyone that couldn't benefit from this. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that.
1: Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the time. And anytime you want to do it again, I'd love to.
0: Copy that. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. Hey, thanks again for listening to the show. I am so grateful you're here and continue to support my efforts. Uh, We're doing something a little new. It's called Ask Brian Anything. If you have questions, comments, concerns about any previous episode, or just want to know my perspective on anything, please send those to parishpodcast at gmail.com. That's P-A-R-R-I-S-H podcast at gmail.com, and I'll feature them on an upcoming episode. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish the Thought Show.